Happy New Year and welcome to the very first Silmarillion Film Project episode of 2023. We all managed to survive yet another year of the pandemic. <laughs> with most of our, and, and a, a year of pandemic and also online discourse about the Rings of Power. Yes. And, and, yes. and not only have we survived in our corporeal bodies, but most of our sanity is intact. <laughs> That's it. Is like, which is truly an amazing, well, Marie's not so sure, truly an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> so uh, here we are, um, faithful as always, back for you guys, and uh, we have an exciting episode for you tonight. We are preparing the casting call for uh, season six of the Silmarillion, uh, our, our make-believe Silmarillion adaptation, and this is going to be a fun one because we get to cast Baron. That's it. So, we're we're um, going to cast Baron today. So the the cast and call episode is always yeah. fun because this gives us a chance. As and you know, so just as in so many of the things that we do, we get a chance to. What I love about doing this is when you when we ask these questions, I get to sort of realize the things that we don't know about these characters from the text, right? And again, this is. It's like a little mini version of what I keep finding again and again about this whole process, right? You begin to see how little detail there actually is in the text about so much. Um, and a lot of these things, especially this is one of Tolkien's particular... Um, I don't know how to characterize it. It's not, a, it's not a weakness. It's not a blind spot. It's a choice that he makes not to give us very much in the way of personal descriptions. Sometimes there will be particular qualities, like things about the person that, are, like, you know, this person, like a thingle is very tall, right? And, 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 and things like that, like stuff like that will get mentioned. And so there will sometimes be parameters that he gives. Uh, but in many cases, there's really very little that we know. Um, and so to really, to take this opportunity to kind of visit character by character, including some pretty minor characters and say how what would we want this person to be like what would we be looking for uh when we're casting this person i think is a really fun opportunity to kind of get a, another little fun window inside the story that normally you can kind of skip over or at least or often kind of doesn't happen so anyway so that's what we're doing tonight we actually have i think I don't know. I mean, I haven't compared the numbers, but it feels like we have fewer people to cast this season than we have in like any other season in the history of some film. Right. Uh, we knew this day was coming that eventually uh, the number of new characters that come in, of course, the influx of uh, mortals in season five uh, gives us a, a, a you know, a, a sort of a wellspring of new characters uh, as we move through the ages. But of course, we're also at the point of the Silmarillion where the story slows down and we stop jumping century by century um, and start moving like decade by decade instead. So even the mortal characters stick around. will be sticking around for multiple seasons pretty much at this point um, or at least something close to it. Um, but anyway, so yes, our, our list is relatively short, um, but we do have some pretty significant ones and some interesting decisions to make that will also impact uh, some of the stories that we're telling, even some of the, even uh, directly, the, the story that we were talking about last week as well. But anyhow, um, one quick announcement, just to uh, 
reiterate the announcement that I made last week when um, uh, Ilana was with us last week, who, who wrote episode six, um, and Ilana, who is also our host of Osmoot down in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. The end of January, going down to uh, Australia for the first time, and um, uh, and I want to encourage folks if you can't make it down to Australia, which I can understand, you can sign up for remote. <clears throat> remote attendance and uh, you'll, you'll get a recording as well so even if you might be thinking like well there's no point in signing up for digital attendance because it's going to be like in the middle of the night or something because of the time difference with Australia and certainly it will be at some slightly unusual times uh, nevertheless uh, there will be recordings available of everything that we do so um, and it's going to be fun I am I can't wait to hang out with Philip Menzies for the first time. That's going to be one of my highlights uh, of the of the trip between uh, Alana and uh, uh, and Philip. We're going to have a good a good film film contingent down there, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so that's the first of our spring moots. We will have more coming. We've got uh, Sunshine Moot in March is already confirmed down in Orlando, Florida. Um, we've got a number of others which uh, are. Right, very close to being uh, to being confirmed. Texmoot down in San Antonio, Maplemoot in Toronto, um, going up to the Pacific Northwest. So to both Toronto and the Pacific Northwest will be new. Um, so we're we're uh, we're figuring that out. Those uh, should be announced before too long. Um, but uh, anyhow, all right. Map of Beleriand. As all we get the whole map today because we're coming from all over the place here today. Um, all right, so our goals for tonight. First, we have to decide exactly which roles do in fact need to be cast, and there are some that we're uncertain about. They've we've done this every year. I mean, of course, we wouldn't have this luxury if we were actually filming, right? I mean, you can't exactly be. I mean, Baron appeared in the last season, so it's not like we're actually if we're actually filming. We could not have postponed his casting to this year because he he was there. Uh, you know, like when uh, Barahir received his ring from uh, from from Finrod, but. Um, but we deliberately saved him because we wanted that to happen. Now, we couldn't save Luthien. We already cast Luthien way back in Season 3, I believe, because uh, she played a pretty significant role in it. It was just the one episode, right? The Marathotothod episode? No, she was uh, also in the the spider fight, too, right? Yeah. So Marathotothod is in Season 4. So oh, that's Season, season 4, right, three, right, right. She was in the Meanwhile and Beleriand stuff. So right, right, right. the Sindar yep. meeting the dwarves and the spider yep. fight and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. So we had, we had her already for quite a bit. So we had to cast her uh, earlier on. So there's some questions. There's some characters who we will be, um, you know, whom we've already met, and we, we have to decide: do we want to do we want to talk about them now? The reason to put them off is not just to save some characters for us to talk about next year. That admittedly is part of it, but it's not the only reason. The um, the other reason is to in some ways to kind of let these characters develop a little bit more. Um, one of the question marks that we're going to have for today, for instance, is Gogalad. And really, like, what is the right point at which to cast uh, that character? Um, and in a lot of ways, his character is still developing. And if we'd cast him last season, which we could have done, he appeared uh, last season, didn't he? he yeah, we got, we got the, yeah. the he friendship even had between lines. him and Celebrimbor, <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so we could have cast him last year, but I'm kind of glad that we didn't because he's already, like, his character's already kind of gone in some directions that I wasn't necessarily foreseeing at that point. So anyway, um, it's, it's kind of interesting to get a little bit more time to sort of uh, think through some of these things. But um, but yeah, so we are, we're not going to be doing suggestions of particular actors or actresses of course that will be open for nominations on the boards and we hope that people will go to our discussion boards and make suggestions for people that they think would fill these roles this the point of this session is for us to be thinking through this is a casting call what are we looking for in these characters what things do we think are crucial um and uh uh you know what what would make a good fit uh for uh for some of these roles um, okay. So I already talked a little bit about who we're not casting. We've already cast everybody from the frame. We've done Elrond, Gilrein, Arwen, Tina, Aragorn, even, um, Eldon and Elro here. Um, and actually we've left an exactly appropriate amount of aging time. Uh, from team Ari- from Teen Aragorn, right? I mean, he's, um, he'll, he'll be just the right age by now. Uh, so that's Correct. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the other reason why there's fewer characters this season, because the entire frame was already cast. And in already previous cast. seasons, we've had to cast multiple characters in the frame, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, aging in our show is going to be a little weird, no matter how you slice it. <laughs> because either, either the entire multi-decade show will have to be filmed at the same time, or we're going <laughs> to yes. need some serious you know, de-aging uh, effects going on or aging yes. effects over yes. uh, over the course of the entire thing. All very true. All very true. Especially, yeah, with characters um, like Elrond or Galadriel that are going to be going through, you know, multiple seasons and uh, um, over the course of what would be presumably possibly decades of production uh in real time so yep yep definitely an issue um but yeah so we've cast because of uh their involvement especially in season three but also beyond we have pretty much the entire um Doriath cast right we've got all of the major figures from Doriath including Dairon um already cast even though Dairon has not this season is is in some ways, a bigger focus on Dairon than we've had before, but we cast him um, already. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, he was also in season three with Luthien. Um, yeah, but. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he he was he was there. Um, he's not he's not really like you know done. I mean, he's been her like traveling band right to this point i mean he's been her musical accompaniment essentially has he had much in the way of lines i don't think he has prior to this season has he i don't remember him saying very much i don't remember him doing much other than like being the guy who is musical accompaniment to luthien for the spider fight the kind of theme or arc for luthien there was to determine her role in the newly founded doriath Right. And for him as well. So he was figuring out he was going to be an art guy, not a soldier guy. Right. <laughs> pretty much. Right. And then so the spider fight was the power of song to over- overcome evil kind right. of 
bringing that all together. So he was part of that storyline um, in season three and therefore mm-hmm. had some lines, like conversations with Luthien, basically. Right, right. But then, yeah, he's been pretty much in the background through mm-hmm. seasons four and five because he was not central to any of that because he's not a soldier guy. He's a music guy. Right. Right. But it's important to note that previous, you know, previous to this, he's been shown in at least one instance to um, to have heroic tendencies. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not weak. I would say, right, right. Well, I yep. think that's why it was a challenge for him. I think he wanted to be someone who was brave and defending his homeland and all of that, right. and therefore questioned some of his choices to that point and luthien brought out the importance of well there has to be a culture worth saving here so (laughs) contributing to the culture is also good (laughs) right right yeah yeah um yeah we've also of course um almost everybody all the major figures um involved in the nargothrond sequence uh finrod kelagorm kurafin um uh Celebrimbor, as we said, they've already been cast. Didn't we cast Celebrimbor? Or did we not? Maybe we saved him. Yeah, we might we have did. saved him alongside. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. almost all of them. Like, there's, you know, most of the major him. figures. We did cast We him? did okay. cast Celebrimbor, yep. I, okay. I have I, the... I have the page open on the forums so I can do a cheat sheet because I know I wasn't going to remember everyone and like, yeah, I cast either. Him, so I don't recall. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, when did we, did we cast, cast him? him? We cast Calibrimbor with all of the Feanorians. So, oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, so that would have yeah. been in season three. Yeah. Oh my god. So long ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, generally we don't cast really minor roles, like roles which would be like extras basically we tend not to cast extras um uh and yes we very rarely cast children we might talk about what we would want to see in a child actor who's playing a particular role um i could imagine discussing that kind of role here but we're not gonna i mean i hope nobody knows enough about like the child actor pool out there in the world to nominate lots of people. I mean, it's, that's weird. So, um, yeah, we, we don't, uh, there might be some particular child actors that you've seen that you like, but, um, also by the time we're done with this, with this thing, yeah. this project, like that person's going to be an old person. Well, yeah, exactly. They'll be well, like retirement age. Yeah. It's more of a, if this were a real project, you would go to, people who are looking for work and go through a lot of headshots of people no one else has ever heard of and you'd find somebody right so you could you could easily cast children in roles if you want to do that it's just we are using imdb as our um portfolio and that's Mm -hmm. not a great way to get child actors (laughs) yeah i mean and and of the fantasy elements of this project casting is definitely high up on the list of like i think possibly the music is one of the the, one of the things that would that has the best shot of having some through line between going from a fantasy project to a real thing because it's a real thing Mm -hmm. you know the Mm -hmm. music is real 
right? Right. Philip has right. created music. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get to our characters to discuss. So, humans. What human characters do we need? Baron, let's start with Baron. Baron is our big headliner for this season, right? Um, so we do have his parents already cast. Um, what are we looking for in Baron? What should Baron look like? He is a character who gets a little physical description from Tolkien. Um, yeah. So at least in one version, he has light brown hair, I believe. Um, and of course, like all characters in Tolkien, he probably has gray eyes. <laughs> right. So we at least get that starting baseline. Um, he's young, but not so young as to look like a child next to Luthien. Mm -hmm. So probably we're looking for someone who's around 30 years old for this mm -hmm. role, not someone who's 20 and mm -hmm. not someone who's 40. Right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. We definitely don't want somebody who looks, you know, like a teenager or something like that. Absolutely. Um, we want somebody who looks like they match Luthien, and especially that they match Luthien at the end of episode 13. Right. Like sure. human Luthien, right? Who I think should look subtly different than Elvish Luthien. Yeah, agreed. I, um... Um, I think that, uh, um, yes, definitely needs to have a little, uh, a little wear on his tires, right? Again, mm -hmm. can't be too, can't be, um, and, and a lot of, we talked a lot about what we want Baron to look like on the day he comes into the throne room. Right. We talked about that, about his his, you know, what 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 we would want to do for costuming and everything there and kind of um, how the actual statements and the implications of how his presentation at the court is going to look. But with the exception of that day, um, he's not going to get cleaned up very often in this season. Right. I mean, Baron is is going to be in rugged mode right most of the time um during this season from extreme rugged mode at the beginning right and when he's up to where he stumbles into doriath um uh until and then but the, and then you know and then again he's in the woods with luthien and then gets presented at court but then after that it's travel and prison and um transforming into a wolf and back and getting dismembered. I mean, he's, he's not going to be, this is not, I mean, you could say like, well, we need somebody who cleans up. Well, he, he's not going to clean up often. Like that's not really a major feature in some ways, I think. And I, I think the whole, like he has to match Luthien. That's where he definitely doesn't match Luthien right. is that right. most of the time he's a mess and yes. she's not going to look like that even when they're traveling and everything. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. No, that, um, uh, I do think that that's a, uh, it's an actually an interesting thing to keep in mind, um, that they're not, and, you know, Nick, thinking about, um, thinking about what you were saying about episode 13, that could be one difference, actually. Um, one way in which we kind of convey that difference is that the two of them in their presentation will be more of a pair, 
in episode right. 13. Right. Whereas even through their level of dress and like personal hygiene, <laughs> right, there will be a discrepancy between yeah. the two of them, which really will help to serve to emphasize the gap between... We- we send the actress yeah. out to eat a lot of pizza before she comes in for, you know, for her takes as, <laughs> as human Luthien. Right. right. No, I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I'm thinking the other way around really that Baron looks like that's Baron's cleaned up at the end. If he cleans up at any oh, yeah. point, that's the time <clears throat> when I think he's cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. He mm-hmm. should probably clean up for his wedding, for instance. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, there will be, <laughs> there will which be, is towards the end. A, that's, that's towards the episode. end. Yeah. Exactly. End of episode eleven, beginning of twelve. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as his character, we definitely have portrayed him as very mission oriented and gung ho mm-hmm. and driven in a lot of ways. So I mean, I think that's probably his defining personality trait throughout being an outlaw and fulfilling the quest. And deciding he really wants to marry this girl, like that's who he is. Yeah, yeah. Well, also his. You got to remember that his physique has to also reflect a part when when he comes into Doria has to reflect a person who has committed to not eating meat in a situation where that's your best source of food, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. wandering around in the wilderness. That's really. So you want a kind of scrawny baron, is what you're thinking. I mean, by then, sure. Like, sure, when he's in Dorthonian, they, you know, he has, he, he, you know. But even then, he's a, if you think about it, that's kind of, it's almost selfish in a way. Like, because he's a drain on their resources. He's eating all the vegetables, man. (laughs) But he's leaving all the the vegetables. He's leaving all the rabbits for everybody else. So, you know. Right. Yeah. He's a sharing guy. They probably have plenty of that. They don't have time to do any farming. They're just collecting what they can out there. As there far are as plenty of pine needles and pine nuts in Belair in uh, Dorthonian. That's not Marie. That's there not are a, a lot of pine nuts. Source of source no. of series food. But no, I hear but you. Uh, I'm saying um, that he can eat all the pine nuts he wants. That's not draining anyone's resources. Scrawny Baron <laughs> is an interesting. I I would not have thought of that. I've always. Uh, I mean, he needs to be, he is one of, I mean, think about how he's mentioned in the Lord of the Rings, right? He is put forward. I'm thinking of the moment in particular in um, the battle with Shelob, right? Where, you know, no blade uh, could slice through the abdomen of Shelob, right? Not though the hand of Turin or of, or of Baron wielded it, right? Mm-hmm. Um in other words, he's put forward by the narrator of the Lord of the Rings as one of the like iconically mighty, like physically strong yeah. heroes of old, right? So he yeah. can't look like a wuss. Like we can't. No, we, but wiry he can be. Wiry he could be. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I think that that line more than anything else has. Um, uh, of course, Turin is also named there, but right. Turin, but you know who isn't? Turin named is there? clearly like you know. Looks like a Greek god, right? I, was about I mean, to say, like Turin yeah. manages to single-handedly kill a dragon, and right. and yeah. is like both the most physically powerful and most physically gorgeous. Like, yeah, I mean, he should be like. Uh, that's well, kind of a, a really interesting casting, I think, because yes, um, 
uh, he's he he. But anyway, whatever. We're not talking about that right now. Um, with the, Baron, however, I was I I I think I've always kind of pictured a more like um, you know sort of solid, blocky, muscular Baron. But but you make a good point, Nick. Practically speaking, um, it's a little. I mean, I I know vegetarians are always like you can get plenty of protein as a vegetarian like under modern circumstances yes you can right but uh living in the wild um you know as a as a hunter gatherer it's harder very much harder which again as you said he's not exactly had much time to tend crops in the last couple of years right um you, so it's you hard. Know who doesn't get mentioned in that sentence though is hurin who is explicitly said to be the mightiest, the mightiest human that's yes. ever lived yeah yeah and exactly so like I wouldn't necessarily say it's an exhaustive list. No, no, no. Oh, certainly not. He's drawing not, attention not, to people not... that we we should be thinking of as great heroes. And in particular, people who have been in very similar situations. Uh, Turin being in the situation of stabbing monsters from underneath, just like Sam was in that moment, right? And Baron fighting giant spiders, like Sam was in that moment. So it's clear that he's going for parallelism as much as he's going for physical traits. And yet... With the reference to, you know, not though the hand of clearly does convey, you know, physical mightiness as well. And you're right. Hurin is the strongest of them all. Um, but but yeah. it's, also, it's also worth considering that, yeah, we don't put Baron in too many situations where he gets to, like, win a fight. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, oh, no, everyone got captured and I'm in a prison. Oh, well. Right. <laughs> um, came and saved the day over and over again. But the couple of times he does do something it is actually quite physically impressive and right. one is crossing from Dorthonian to Doriath via Arad Gorgoroth and Nendungorza right. right no one else has ever done that and he survived it so there is a physical feat there and then the whole leap of Baron thing where he pulls a guy off a horse yeah you can't yeah. just do that if you are not physically quite fit and strong right not not, not necessarily a Calaquendi off a horse. That's an important <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah, and like Kelagorm is a hunter and a fighter of the Noldor. Like he's not a wimpy guy either. No, not at all. He's probably, <laughs> if if I were to use a Tolkien superlative, he's probably the greatest horseman that has ever lived. Right, like Fair. and you pull back, and and that's who's on the horse. Anyway, yeah. So like right. the whole. The whole situation means that, yeah, he's got to be a physically impressive guy, even yeah, if we're Marie, not giving I, him a lot of battle scenes. Marie, I don't think he's going to get there eating pine nuts. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I was Nick said that if he ate, if he ate all the vegetables, that would be draining the resources. So I said the one resource they have plenty of. That's true. They nuts. would have plenty of pine nuts. All the pine nuts you can eat. It's like right. a really bad commercial for living in Dorthonian, right? Um, <laughs> come to yeah, Dorthonian. And, all the pine nuts you, you can eat. If you make tea out of pine needles, I think that does help with some of the... It, um, it helps against scurvy, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The thing that they, they might not be getting all the nutrients they need... You can make yeah. pine needle well, tea. That helps. That, I think, is certainly a piece of verisimilitude that we could cheerfully skip, is uh, Baron arriving in the early stages of scurvy. Yes, <laughs> right? Um, but no, he wouldn't. That's the thing. Is, they're no, yes, he'd be fine. Yeah. Nobody needs to get scurvy there. And they can make plenty of pesto sauce, so, you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Short, dark-haired people. Like, it just, it fits. 
There you go. There you go. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. So I, but but it it does really play. The question of his physique does play very interestingly into the question of the role that, and we've talked about this before, how unexpectedly we have found ourselves up against making Baron look like window dressing in this season, which is just honestly not a problem I was anticipating before we started the season. Like, you know, if you'd asked me two years ago, I wouldn't have, um, uh, I wouldn't have said that one of the biggest challenges of writing the season six story was making sure Baron didn't look useless and decorative basically. But like, that's a real danger that we face in the story. Um, and that's really interesting. So th- it does, it does factor in, right? If we make him, uh, I mean, I basically, I, I could see problems either way, right? I mean, if he has like the physique, the physique of Chris Hemsworth, then it's going to be weird that he doesn't do much or win more often. Right. Um, but if he has, uh, you know, uh, like a, a very like Norman Reedus understated physique. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, what about Norman Reedus? <laughs> what do you mean, Nick? Where are you going with that? I mean, he, the, like that sort of physicality is kind of what I'm, what I'm suggesting. Okay. So okay. Physical, but not, uh, not like bodybuilder, uh, type. Yeah. 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 Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think so. He, he needs to be. Does, does Norman Reedus qualify for the the the, the Shelob quote? <laughs> I don't know, man. He's, he's, a, he's a tough looking dude, man. I don't know if you know that, that too. I don't know if he's that like epically mighty though. Yeah, that's the. I mean, but you know, he's in the ballpark. So. I mean, we could we could you know. He is definitely wiry. So that yes. the wiry yeah. part of it, but um, I mean the rock's already cast, so you know. yeah, right. we wouldn't with him. But I don't right. think we're using him. Yeah, no. the I'm trying to think the difference between the first Boondock Saints and the second Boondock Saints. One of the his his co-star bulked up significantly in that ten years in between. I'm pretty sure Norman Reedus looked more or less physically the same from one to the second. So yeah, he's he's been more or less wiry his entire career. Yeah, I haven't um I haven't I haven't seen like I, I he's he, he he's in The Walking Dead, right? Um which mm-hmm. I haven't seen. So I was just looking at like pictures of Norman Reedus here off to the side while you're talking about this. I, I can see it. I can buy that um, as a as a as a as a sort of physical type. Um, wiry enough to like wiry look. It, he has to, it has to look plausible that he can perform great feats, but he does not need to be physically imposing. I think that the, you know I we'll have to see the actual nominees that we get. Um, but uh, right because if someone's I, too I wimpy, t- it's not going to work. Right. No, right. no, it's too it, yeah agreed. If it's too wimpy, it's not going to work. But it definitely does not have to be, you know, a bodybuilder, for sure. Um, facial hair? I think he's got to have a decent beard. It, it, it would help him stand out more from the elves when we show him amongst them. Like, yeah. That's what I was thinking, and and also masculinize him in in their presence. I think mm-hmm. 
And now I, I'm, I'm thinking full beard is almost necessary for Baron's character. Um, in, in part, Nick, as you say, we want to have in full view at all times, right? We, the, the gap, the disparity between Baron and Luthien, like the reminder that this is a hum- this is a mortal dude, and that he is different, because he's mingling with elves almost the entire time. I mean, he's uh, apart from the very, very beginning before uh, his father and the Maul are killed. He's with well, elves that's constantly. The whole point. Yeah, if if he's hanging out with the humans for the first two episodes, and everybody's got beards, and he fits in, and he looks like right. he's part of the group, and then we throw him into Elven society for the next ten episodes, it, it's gonna help. Yeah, exactly. Besides which, I mean, it also seems he's not exactly gonna have a lot, you know, much opportunity to shave uh, for most of the season in any case. So it's like realistic as well. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I. I um, and I would not want Baron to have a. He has to have a good beard. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't have a wussy beard for Baron. I know you can do fake beards, like you know that that can be faked if need be. But it would be best if we could get somebody with a, with with who can grow a good beard. That would be good. That's going to be hard to find. If I mean, a lot of guys keep themselves clean shaven if they're actors. So you have to find a picture of them with their beard on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, how good looking are we talking about? Mm. Should he be gorgeous? Do we want Baron to be a heartthrob? This to me is an interesting question, because on the one hand, it kind of seems like an obvious opportunity. Right. But at the on the other hand, Emphasizing if Luthien the wanted a pretty guy, she probably she had, had choices in Doria. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. thinking yeah. that. But at the same time, he can't be the sort of man who women would walk past in the grocery store and not even see. Which is about like 40% of men. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm wondering, what do you Maybe, maybe you don't check out very many guys in the grocery store, Nick. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people don't see me in the grocery store either. So, okay, fair enough. I'm thinking this is a dangerous conversation <laughs> entirely. But in any case, so this is me changing the subject. Um, sorry, sorry, Baron and Luthien. I guess the question is how mismatched would we want to make them look how how much like violence is it going to do to like viewer reaction if he is if he looks wholly unsuitable there's a way in which that works of course like if we look at this and we're like oh no she should not be with that guy then we're having the same reaction thingles having in that that there's there's good argument for that right but at the same time we do want to encourage our viewers to kind of, you know, see past that. There's a way in which we don't necessarily want to engender that. Like we don't actually want our viewers to feel repulsed by the idea of their being together or whatever. Um, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. We don't want it to be distracting. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think the, the ruggedness can be the contrast. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like, ugly or plain or even like Hollywood plain. (laughs) Like he could be a decently attractive guy who just 
is wearing grubby clothes and a scruffy beard most of the time. How important of a criterion would we view this? That is like, does he have to be <clears throat> upper tier gorgeous? Do we want him to look like a match set with Luthien? Not, you know, elvish, but... Hollywood homely. You, you don't like that? You want... You want oh, hang on, uh, you're still muted, I think, Dave. Yes, I agree with Nick. Hollywood homely. Hollywood homely. Okay. Yeah, I think that thing. I don't, he doesn't. I don't think he should be. I don't think he should be otherworldly good looking. But uh, but he should definitely be. He should. He should be. Should be at the bottom end of a shifted scale. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. Right. Ilana says he should be able to carry Scruffy well. Agreed. I mean, again, I don't think he should look repulsive. But but yeah, I'm. The more I think about it, the more I, I lean towards having him not looking again we don't want it to be distracting nick i I agree with that principle but i think on on balance at the end of the day i really kind of like the idea if even the viewers are saying what exactly does she see in this guy why has she chosen this guy yeah um because everybody's asking that question and i you know obviously the actor who plays him has to kind of provide an answer to that in how he plays the role, yeah. right? That's yes. going to be the real challenge of that role. But, um, uh, but yeah, to have it be initially, it does seem to me that the initial reaction should kind of match that uh, sort of incredulity, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that I'm trying to think of other critical elements of Baron's character that we would want to insist on, but I think that covers most of the that covers most of the bases. Well, one thing's for sure, we've definitely ruled out Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah, I think I can agree to that. There we go. There we go. Well, I think he may have wiry strength, but everything else, he's he's out. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but I'm assuming too young. He's actually 28, but he doesn't. Oh, okay. Doesn't, he doesn't I thought look. I was it. younger. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He's like he's on the wrong side of 28. Of, <laughs> looks 28, going on 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. The, the exact age is not as important as does not look like a child standing next to Luthien. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the that's the important part of that. Age. But but also doesn't look like an old man standing <laughs> next to Luthien. <laughs> right. Is another also. Important right. So yeah. Yeah. So some other twenty eight year old might be just fine for the role. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Um, so the. Other humans are all from his crew. We didn't do Bari. We we cast Bari here and Emeldir, uh, Baron's mom, but we did not cast either Baragund or Billigund. And here, primarily, I think we're thinking about, you know, their kids and grandkids more than we're really thinking about them. We, they're very minor characters in our story. Um, they're important, but there's very little of their personality and things that we get. I mean, it's I don't see a whole lot hanging on this casting apart from the fact that we want somebody 
you know, we're looking at the the grandfather of Turin and the grandfather of Tuor here, uh, essentially, <clears throat> is, is in my mind what we're casting. Are there other considerations you think that we sort of need there as we're thinking about these two? They don't have to look very similar. I mean, they're brothers, but they don't have to look... Um, uh, you know, we, we, we don't need a matched set uh, for these two characters necessarily. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of what traits we would want to pass on to Morwen and Rian to right. figure out right. what we would need in them. And I, I don't think they necessarily need to look all that similar because Morwen and Rian aren't described as being like identical or anything like that. So, right. I mean, they're only Baragund... cousins, but still. But I mean, and, and thinking about the traits that they're handing on to their daughters and their grandsons mm-hmm. thereafter, um, Baragund couldn't, shouldn't be someone with a very fair complexion, right? A, a darkness, that is like dark hair, darker complexion is um, what is noted about Morwen. Um, uh, she's very beautiful, but, you know... Uh, uh, you know, black-haired and um, Turin favoring her um, and not uh, Hurin's side of the family uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, so, again, so if Baragund were like, uh, you know, if we were to cast like a sandy blonde person as Baragund, yeah. it would be weird. So it, somebody somebody, somebody darker um, there. Whereas, actually, Belagund could be a little bit lighter in... Um, you know, coloration, basically, than, than Baragund, I think. Yeah, because for the House of Beor, we, we were trying to keep the majority of them dark-haired uh, mm-hmm. with the occasional lighter brown blondes uh, mixed in so that it, you know, would look cohesive. Whereas yeah. with the House of Hador, then we could have a lot more of the actual blonde people right. <laughs> yes. over there. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so the idea would be that this whole outlaw group should be mostly dark-haired people, but if we make Baragund have black hair and Belagund have some shade of brown, that would differentiate them visually and then allow us to you know, keep them still looking like a family. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. So they need to believably be brothers, but again, they, they certainly don't have to be, don't have to match. Um and they are un- no. What are they to Baron? They are first cousins once removed to Baron, so they're not that correct. Close, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. They're cousins okay. with Barahir. With Barahir, uh, yeah. because their dad is Bregolath, and Barahir's dad is Andreth's older brother. Right. In our right. version of the family right. tree, that is slightly truncated. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Our pruned down family tree. Um, right. Okay. Um, how about Gorlim? What do we want to, what do we want to show in Gorlim? He is a minor character, but an important one. Um, I guess to me, look his name. Yeah. How, like, how much do we want to lean into? Do we want to lean into or kind of away from his uh, role here? I mean, like how, like, uh, 
it would be easy in some ways, I think, to cast a, you know, dour, grumpy looking, you know, uh, uh, person um, in that role. How old do we want him to be? Great question. Because I usually think of him as older, but he's very obsessed with finding his wife. And I guess you could be very obsessed with finding your wife at any age, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's an older guy trait. I but think I always young. picture him older I anyway. I so think I, I don't know. me too. But but it's one of the th- this is one of the things that I love about this episode is that um, you get to kind of confront assumptions that you make, and and I'm like I don't even know where that came from because I also have always pictured Gorlim as older, but it would make so much more sense if he were like. 23 you know 24 um it really would i mean like his uh yeah yeah not to mention the fact the other thing that i kind of like about making him younger is that making him younger makes him a kind of um uh opposite number to baron basically like puts him distinctly in the younger... I mean, Baron, again, he's, Baron is not supposed to look like a teenager, but he's younger generation, right? Um, and if Gorlim were also clearly younger generation, even younger than Baron, right, um, that makes kind of the two of them... It kind of balances the two of them against each other a little bit, which I think is interesting from a dramatic standpoint when we think about the shape of that storyline. Um, you know, you've got the one younger generation person who, you know, stays faithful and um, perseveres and the other who, you know, succumbs basically under the circumstances, under the very trying circumstances. Um, I I do like the idea of him being around the same age because he's he's married, but he's also he he's got to be childless. Like, there's no way that a man who still has kids, who have now have no mother, mm-hmm. acts the way that he does. Right. Mm-hmm. This I, is like, why I'm I mean, thinking. Maybe, like, but I find it difficult it, to yeah. accept. It would it would make more sense to me for him to be like 22 years old, uh, recently yeah. married, and 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 not yet a father. Desperately yeah. in love, still. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's I maybe that's why I always thought older because if they did have children who were grown, then right. he wouldn't necessarily have that responsibility. Yes. But I agree that it, this the story his story fits with a young guy. But I've never pictured him as a young guy. Yeah, I've I think because he's, him as a young guy. he's so bitter, and I think that makes it he's, easier to. He think just lost so. his I, wife. I know he's but, not, and he's not really bitter. He's he's desperate and yeah, and devastated. Yeah, he's very unhappy. In fact, yes, very unhappy. <laughs> Yes, but he's not unhappy before. <laughs> I think he's unhappy. Yeah. We only see him after. Right, right. Um, so if, yeah. if Gorlam is Baron's generation, or, you know, within 10 years of Baron's age, then um, Baragund and Belagund are going to be a little older because they do have children. And Bear here would then naturally look older than pretty much the rest of the group which is fine yeah he should he's, be. he's like 50 he's 50 yeah. so if so if all the rest of the outlaws are under 50 yeah then that that's gonna have a certain look to the camp i guess right but i think that 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 fits the situation mm. 
Like you mm -hmm. wouldn't like Baron here is there because he's the leader, right? But mm -hmm. most men his age probably are, are staying with their families if they're available, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I like it. Let's, let's, um, let's have Gorlin be young. We, he, 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 he could be the youngest member of the whole outlaw band, basically. Um, younger than Baron? Yeah, younger than Baron. He could totally be younger okay. than Baron. Why wouldn't he be younger than... I mean, why couldn't okay, he be Okay, I mean, I guess... It, I, I don't know. I... They, there's no particular reason. Just yeah. You know. Again, we were thinking of Baron as the young guy, <laughs> <laughs> as the youngest, right? Like yeah. he is the way his portrayal thus far kind of lends itself towards that, but it that's not necessarily the uh, the the truth. Well, no. So let's but let's think about that more. Is there a reason, like? What do, would we lose something if we have somebody who looks significantly younger than Baron? If Baron is not the junior member of the group, is there something we lose from that? Again, if, like, see, to me, what we gain potentially, what we gain is that, like, um, Gorlin being a kind of a foil for Baron, right? Right. Which right. I no, kind of like. Considering the whole episode where Gorlin messes up. Is he and Baron go off together and on a joint exactly mission and then thinking. they separate yeah. their ways? It would very much play into that. Yeah, like if the two of them are clearly like sort of the younger generation in a sense, because um, even though Baragond and Belgon needn't be that much older than they are, um, mm. they're a little bit older. They're 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 in a different place in their lives, right? They're yes. they're they're, yes. they're 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 differently situated, clearly differently <laughs> situated. Whereas like you know, Gorlim and Baron would be the two, the two you know, younger kids okay. um, in the group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I... Um, All right. So a miserable young 20-something. Miserable young 20-something. So I guess here's... But I want to think about... I, 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 I'm wanting to think through the implications of what we're doing to the Gorlim story by casting... If we, what we would be doing by casting him young. It makes all kinds of sense. Like, I agree that the trajectory of his story fits really well with a relatively newly married um, mm. young man who, desperate to be reunited with his young wife. That works. That would totally work. But. Yeah. But. And I, when I say but, I don't necessarily mean that what I'm going to say next contradicts that necessarily. Right. But the other thing, one of Gorlim's other roles, in the book at least, is he's like a, he's like a symbolic representative of the people of Dorthonian, right? He, mm. he encapsulates the loss of the people of Dorthonian. Like, yeah. Gorlim pining for Ilanel is like, you know, a figurehead of the suffering of the people of Dorthonian <coughs> and their separation from each other, the, their loss in the battle. Um, he kind of, he's like the poster child of what this, what the downfall of Dorthonian has, has done, has cost the people. He's like the poster child of the human cost of the suffering of Dorthonian. If we make 
the poster child of the human cost of the suffering of the fall of Dorthonian. Um, that of like a, you know, 22-year-old newlywed. That that has a different symbolic weight, like a different yeah. kind of metaphorical weight than a 45-year-old... stolen from you. Yes, exactly. What's what's the kind of symbolic story we want to be... Is this like... Is the story of Dorthonian that we're kind of encapsulating in him the story of that, like, the future that never was able to happen, but which he's yeah. still clinging to the possibility of? Or is it the story of, like, a 45-year-old guy whose wife of 25 years is missing? Right. Um, and and, you know, which is like that, that the past happiness that we had the um, is 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 now is now gone and I'm not willing to let it go. Like those are both yeah. viable stories, but they feel very different. And how do we want to characterize the fall of Dorthonian in that way? So so Dennis brings up the point that he says um, that it changes his backstory, as you're saying, he says the loss of his wife would not have the impact. So his character flaws must predate the tragedy. I feel like it's the other way around because because the thing is that an older man should have the wisdom and the judgment to understand that his relationship with his wife is not more important than the lives of a bunch of other people who now don't get a say in this situation, right? Right. Um, When you're giving them up. Whereas a younger man, I find it much more believable that, like, he looks less foolish, mm-hmm. or at least the the foolishness feels less bad. Right? Yeah, more understandable. Like he, more like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like that. You know that this young love would transcend his his feelings of loyalty and duty to his comrades. Feels much more believable and understandable in a in a much younger man who is in a in a new marriage than it does <clears throat> with somebody who's been married for 34 years and even to even to to i mean to add one other similar thing to that i mean i mean I'm an example of the other side of things, right? I'm a guy yeah. who's almost 50 and has been married for 25 years, right? Um, Would so... you give up your comrades? <laughs> right. Stop, stop. Oh, in the vein That's not the hope. question. But the point is, but the point is like, I don't know. I mean, like when we get to this point in our lives, we have friends who have lost spouses. We have, you know, I've got someone in my family who has a terminally ill wife right now. Like it's, that's not the world of 22 year old. I mean, sometimes it is tragically, but like the idea of like, I've lost her and I can't handle it. Right. I'm not saying that like it's I don't know, like, I'm not saying it gets easier, but at the same time, like it, there's there is something what I'm saying is I agree with you, Nick. The idea that like the idea of losing her pushes me to like irrational lengths, like I can't accept it, like I can't accept it, I won't accept yeah. it does feel to me like something that would be more understandable Um uh, in a um, in a in a, in a younger person. person, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, because the acceptance of mortality is is something that usually comes with experiencing 
people yeah. dying on you. Exactly. Like, That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. And a 50 like, year old to... person who has watched his children grow up would it would certainly have come to terms with his own mortality and likely that of you know would I mean his wife has to have gotten sick at some point, would have gone through childbirth. Okay. There are three men on this stream right now who have who have watched their wife go through childbirth and it has to have crossed your mind right that you it's, could be left alone with this child yeah yeah for sure that's a reality yeah. and if you've and and once you've confronted that reality it changes the way that you the way that you view the mortality of your spouse Right, exactly. And that's exactly, uh, Dennis, exactly. <laughs> Young people are immortal. That's exactly it. Um, and that's why it feels like it would require less in the way of, like, intrinsic character flaws in Gorlim yeah. for him like, to lose it, basically, if he were young. Yeah, like in Troy, the movie, not the, I don't know, I don't actually know Homer, <laughs> but right. um, the contrast is between paris and hector where paris right. is young and like she's beautiful i had to steal her <laughs> and hector's right. like right um yeah but that's... actually dealing with having to say goodbye to his wife mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. making choices uh, that involve mortality so right. hector comes across as a much more mature person who has a much deeper and more meaningful relationship with his wife just based right. on what we see right Right. So Hector is not going to intentionally betray his city because of his beautiful wife. Like he wouldn't do that again right, right. in that story. Right. Whereas nor, Paris totally nor... would. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually, that's actually a really interesting comparison. Even it works in Homer too. I feel like there's a, I feel like there might be a conversation between Hector and his wife in, yeah, in Homer. A big one. Yeah, it's a big one. Oh, good. It's, it's I'm a, it's a really, my brain really is just one. making that up. No, yeah. no, no. That's a really, really. It's my favorite scene in the whole Iliad. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Okay. And, oh, good. And, I, made, I made a good literary. Reference. You did. You did exactly. No, but but the whole thing. I mean, he's not going to like. Yet his his relationship with Andromache is so much deeper than the relationship between uh, Paris and Helen. And yet he's not going to not do his duty. Like he's not mm -hmm. going to he's not even going to back down from he's not he's not even going to choose not to go out and fight Achilles um, mm -hmm. because this is what he has. To, this is like the thing that he has to do. He's not going to get all irrational about. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it. And Barry here is making is making a different choice. Also, he is separated from his wife. Yes. Of 30 or whatever years. You yeah. Know, yeah. And that again at all. That's another really interesting, like the um, the glimpse into Barahir and Emildir's relationship is really yeah. fascinating, too. Um, and how, like, my own reading of that is basically that the two of them are in a place where they're like, okay, we've been working together and trusting each other for so long that now we're going to, like, 
I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And we're going to like be okay with the fact that we're going to be trusting each other. Like basically together as a team, they're going to fulfill the role of the leader of these people. Right. And there are two things that need to be done. There's the rebel leader role that needs to be played. And there's the lead the refugees to safety role that need to be played. And between the two of them in their marriage, they've got it covered. Right. Right. And that and they're both okay with that, not because they don't care about each other and are like, fine, see you later. Right. Right. But because it it, it reflects a real solidity in their relationship and in in their, you know, in how they work. Here's the question. Would Gorlam be here if his wife were not if Ilanel were back at home, back at home, we're we're back in Brethel right now. In the refugee camp. Yeah. Right. And I say no. Probably not. I mean, or at least I could easily. I, I, I think it would be very believable to think that he wouldn't be. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure there are too many, like, um, able-bodied guys in their 20s in the refugee camp. Um, no, no. Well, you know, I in mean, general, there's only but... 13. No, I, I don't know. There's only 13 people here. Yeah, no, no right. No, I, I that... mean, in, the, in, 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 in Brethel, I mean, I, I, I doubt there are that many able-bodied 20-year-olds. No, in, there have in, in to Brethel, be because... Whoever survived Dorthonian. And whoever the, survived the, the battle. battle. Right. Right. That's where they went. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. true that first they separated out into refugees and army. And right. all the able-bodied guys of 20-some would be in the army. So Gorlin right. would have been in the army during yes. the Dagar Bragalar. Right. But the group that decided, you know what, we're going to go back to Dorthonian and be outlaws, that's a really tiny band. Yes. So the majority yeah. of the people who were in the army that's are true. like, cool, I'm going to rejoin my family in Brothel now. Right. Right. And so would Gorlam have actually done that? If, yes. An army. Yeah. Right. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. you're right. In that, in that, you're, yes. In, in that circumstance, you're right. I cannot imagine Gorlim leaves Ilanel behind in Brethil and right. stays with them. Not, yeah. not the, not the Gorlim that we're, that we're meeting here. Like the right. Gorlim who would give up his comrades for a chance that he might be reunited with his, with his wife. He does not leave her alone in Brethel. Barragan and, and, um, and Belligand, they their duty as as members of the of mm-hmm. the of of the line, right? Like yeah. they have they have you know no bless oblige, right? Like they <laughs> they have that duty their job, yeah. There is that inescapable duty to do this job, um, and they don't and want to do it. Gorlam's not related in that way, right? He right. just joins in of like, oh, you guys are going back. Me too. I want to find my wife. And especially, do we meet anybody else in the band? Do we really get to know anybody else in the band other than the members of Baron's extended family and Gorlim? No, so, I, I mean, mean they're he, there, but yeah. You know, th- those are the like viewpoints it. we get. Exactly. The, the so, characters who are listed on this slide are the ones who are, are the lines. ones we meet, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> nobody I mean, else I, speaks. <laughs> nobody else speaks. So that does is that's going to create the appearance of Gorlim being an unusual outlier anyway Mm -hmm. and so this that that story the story of the um young ferocious and desperate 20 you know early 20s uh newly married dude works for me really really well with gorlin Mm -hmm. i think and it's especially if our goal is to which i think it should be to rally some kind of Sympathy you know, for poor, poor little Gorlam. Sympathy for Gorlam? Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he's not just a traitor. He is a traitor, right? He makes a really bad call. But to have some kind of way of humanizing that and understanding that, um, that I think 
works best and more more most easily for me um yeah i love the specific suggestions that are being so i'm trying not to call out the specific actor suggestions that are being because i don't want to bias things too much by like sounding like we've already made up our mind about actors um but i encourage people who are suggesting particular actors go to the discussion board and suggest them um uh but um yeah anyway uh it's that would be that would be really that would be really cool um but okay, now see this is this is this is amazing. This is like revolutionized my view of Gorlim the Unhappy. Actually, um, uh, we can we can mention him. He's dead. Yeah, we're not allowed to use him anyway. <laughs> what Humphrey Bogart? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, we decided that years and years ago. We we yeah. opened the question: Are we going <laughs> to cast dead people? Uh, you know, and we've decided no. Although um, it's getting it's getting suspiciously close to being a real serious possibility, <laughs> like in a way that it, it wasn't when we started out. Well, it was already on the cusp when we yes, started. Out. I mean, it, it was, not, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. our our criteria is they have to be alive, they have to have an IMDb page, and they can't be cast already in the show. So if they've yeah. already been cast as one role, they can't get another. That's it. That's it. Unless it's a voice role, voice roles can be double cast. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why when I was talking about some like the body type for Baron, I specifically chose somebody who I knew was too old, too old. to be cast. Exactly. Baron, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, and that's why I was like, okay, what was Norman Reedus doing at the right age? And I'm like, Boondock Saints. Yes. Boondock Saints. <laughs> so I, I did go back to his. Yeah. yeah. In his career yeah. to that. Interesting. Okay. So how about I went out? Now, as. Of course, Marie, also as you young point then, out, apparently. Also young <laughs> I then, would, yeah. I would not have wanted a 21-year-old Island L next to a 50-year-old Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not a good look. Um, <laughs> but if he's no 23, he's... it's fine. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> yeah, yep. Let's just leave that one there. Anyway, the yes. point is, um, yeah, she could look She could look very young. Um, yeah. uh, yes, like 20-year-old late teenager I would yeah. know, if he's if he's twenty two, then yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now we're not going to ever see her on screen as For real. an actual Actually, human yeah, alive. Yeah. Island yeah. So every time we see her, it will in fact be Thurin Gwethel. Right. <laughs> so do we want her to look in any way like Thurin Gwethel, or do we want her to look totally different? How th- we? I guess that depends on our estimate of Thurin Gwethel's powers of illusion, doesn't it? Um, well, she can look like whatever she wants. Exactly. So I think if we have a high view of Thurin Gwethel's magical ability in to, to disguise herself, then we make we just we basically cast Ilanel, and so that he because this also makes um, I mean it it impacts how we how we're depicting Gorlim's character, right? If our viewers recognize her as Thurin Gwethel in disguise, then it's going to undermine. It's going to it's going to make Gorlim look like an idiot, right? Whereas right. if it's this is just a totally different person cast as Ionel, it certainly makes Ionel not a crucial role as she's going to have right. only what seconds on screen, uh, you know, maybe a minute <laughs> total on screen. Right. Um, so remember, I said I put everybody on the list. This is yeah. a case of she's a named character she's in the, the book. List. She appears yeah. in our show. We don't have to cast her. It could right. just be whoever is directing this episode would be like cool i'll go and then grab so-and-so to do this right but if we want to cast her we can so it's your call 
Let's see what kind of nominations we get. We we we, okay. we might decide to pull it later on because it's not crucial. But I wouldn't be against it, of course. But the caution I would just give is. Uh, don't nominate your favorite actress because yeah, no. if we cast whoever we cast is getting nothing, nothing else. So uh, right, like it's it's probably going to be like the sound designer's daughter who like <laughs> you know. That's my point of like it would just yeah. be someone available to would fill in the role because it's so small, but it would be fun because it's yeah. I, I'm I, I'm characters. not opposed to taking suggestions. Role. Yeah, but I, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, so. I'm I'm fine opening up uh, for nominations, and we'll see we'll yeah. see what happens. Because yeah, Theron Gwethel has worn disguises before, and we didn't like right. recast Theron Gwethel every time she appears right. as somebody else. Yeah, but, but those this one has a name. Yeah, this one has and a it's name. A, it's an actual person versus you know random no random else nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, no, I don't. We don't. We're not going to cast young Morrowind and young uh, Rian, um, but we could talk about them a little bit. Right. Um, what would we want to show? What What would we? You know the idea that I was kind of thinking here. I would love to see young Morrowind and young Rian being a kind of a preview of young Turin and um, Lalith basically. Oh. Yikes. Just a little preview. <laughs> like, not exactly parallel, not the same actresses or something like that, but, like, to have the, just, w- when we see the two of them together. The same age gap. Same age gap. Same- towards brooding, uh, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, 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 sort of, and have Rian, uh, Rian, we know very little about Rian, but, it, like, the way her, the difference between Morwen and Rian's reactions to the Nirnaith Arnoidiad, that feels a little bit Turin and Lilith to me in some ways. And I think it could be a really, really cool way to sort of set that up later on. That was the only idea I had about Morwen and Rian, which, which I think would be fun. So somebody like sprightly, fun and delightful for Rian, right? She should be the like just adorable, effervescent life of the party little girl, right? And have Morwen okay. be we tell like him? the dark, somber. Oh, you guys yeah, had a plan? So- no, 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 it's okay. The, um, the, there's two, two places in the season where Rihanna appears. And okay. one of them is in the early episodes, her dad dreams about her. And she's like right. a little, a little five-year-old seen. girl. And right. that would be a perfect time for her to be a vibrant, full-of-life child. Yeah. I think it's a nightmare where she's scared of something. But, you right. know, you could do that transition from vibrant sure. to nightmare, right? Um, the second time we'll see her is when Baron goes to Brothel when he loses his hand. Right. And so she's going to be a little older now. She's not the five-year-old girl that was left behind. Right. And we were hoping to put a scene in where Baron would sit down and talk to her about mm. the death of her father. Mm. So that would be a pretty serious thing. So if we saw a formerly <laughs> bright and vibrant child be much more subdued now because of the grief that she's gone through... That might not be a terrible parallel to Lilith being a bright and vibrant child who is then, yeah, yeah, changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we also kind of suggest that she also dreamed about her father on that same night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day that that he died. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh... 
especially if we if if, if since we get to see her twice, there's an, some kind of opportunity to show a, a change, a difference in her. Um, to show, a, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we wanted to kind of prefigure the grief that she's going to experience and succumb to yes. later on. Succumb to, though, is the really interesting and important thing here, though. Is like, right. In some ways, I feel like she can't learn the lesson of coping with grief too well. Right. Or it makes the later story more difficult yes. to tell, I think. Yes. Um, so I want to be a little bit careful about that. That's the only, that's the only kind of caution I have about that, yeah. is that if we, if we show her handling it too well, if we show her, you know, really uh, changing no. and maturing or something. No, no, no. We, we were not using her as an example of person who has handled this well it was more of an example of my daddy never came home mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. kind of upset about this <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like the, it was, she, she is a the cost of war right right and right. and she like she's definitely on the train to dead insidesville right right and 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 so post near knife arnoidiad is going to be heck no not again i'm out right 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 yeah. so yeah. Um, the other, we do have a happy occasion we can show her in, which is she, she and her sister, her cousin, sorry, she, she and her cousin do go to Luthien's wedding. Yeah. So if we want her to be happy and dancing when she's in Elfland, right? That's fine. Like we could have yeah. her be that in in and the then, presence of the fairy princess, right? right. Like I kind of feel like we don't have to keep, make turn her into a somber child, just someone who is different than she was as a yeah. bright, happy little girl. Yeah. I mean, of course, we, you know, Alana is saying we could end up doing some interesting things with the establishment slash courting phase of her relationship um, with Huor. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to, I mean, we got to keep in mind, I got to keep in mind, we're going to be able to get much more time with Morwen and Rian than the texts give them. So it's not yes. just thinking of those. In my head, I was just kind of thinking of those snippets, right? We have um, a whole season with her next season. Because, yeah. yeah, we have, yeah. We're, like, introducing them at the end of this season as a preview to the whole. Right. They, they will be major characters next season. And I think that would be the appropriate time to cast them. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, we, yeah no, so we, we certainly don't cast them now. But, um, but yeah, it is going to. That's oh okay. Well, we won't talk about that too much because that's a season seven question: how we handle the character arcs of Rian and Morwen. Um, see, just but think but, how much but fun I do but I do like the concept of Lilith having a preview here because obviously yeah. she's not going to get much screen time. Well, no, that's exactly one of the one of the advantages, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is to be able to, in a sense, it's not just it's not it's not just enriching Rian's uh, own story it's also it's like giving a little bit of vicarious screen more additional screen time to Lilith who no matter how we play Turin's story is not going to get much screen time you know um so uh yeah yeah um yeah um okay cool let's uh let's move on to the to elves of whom we have almost none um unless we want to uh do some of the others um Let's start with those, actually. Um, the big questions. Gilgalad, Finduilas, and Gwyndor. I think definitely not Finduilas. 
again, we haven't developed her character enough to know who yeah, we want in wanna, that role. I want to save her for that reason. Gwyndor, I feel like saving for Turin as well. Um, Are we not going to tell the story of I mean, sorry, and Gwyndor it, it, being well, in love in season seven before yeah, the near no, knife? In, in the near knife, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. We should. So I, I we, think should. I, we, could, we can just do it next season. Like yeah. He's coming soon. See, look at this. I, I'm forgetting all of these wonderful holes we're going to get to fill, right? Oh, yeah. Like the romance of Gwyndor and Finduilas. Totally didn't even think of that. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I did. That's going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. Yeah. To me, Gwyndor as a broken aged elf is only more it's the after apparent picture and we in barely contrast get to... glimpses of the before picture yeah right i, I want to see the before so that the after is more shocking <laughs> yeah yeah um yes um yeah no i think that's um yeah so the two of them we can do in season seven i'm fine with that um but what about gil Gallad? We've definitely started using him as a character. We started him as the ambassador thing, but here's this is another a long way game of, for him. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that's sort of the problem. Like that was going to be my question: is if not now, when is there going to be a moment like Gwyndor and Finduilas? They're going to become characters in their own right in season seven, um, right? Gilgalad, like. <laughs> When's his day going to come? Like, his day's not going to end for quite some time, but when's it going to really arrive? I mean, we're, surely we're not going to wait till the second age to cast him, right? Um, and yet, what's he going to do between now and the second age, exactly? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. His first appearance is in season four, correct? Mm. Or is it in season... Did, did I introduce him in the, in the Dagger Bridal yeah. episode? Yeah, because... Okay. Season right. four, his parents get married, okay. and at the end, they have a child, which right. I believe is Fendulas. So he's in the show only like 20% less than Sauron. No, more than that. Well, because like the third he's 30%, pretty, yeah. less. And he's pretty yeah. minor for <clears throat> this first yeah. few seasons here. But, but yeah, it's but he, interesting. Long arc. This is, Very long But this arc. is the yeah. first season where he appears in multiple episodes and actually has mm-hmm. any kind of characterization. So this is yeah. the first time we could cast him. Right. But we'll have opportunities from now until the second age. <laughs> yeah. Does he have more or less of a role than Sauron had in season one as Ilana brings up? Well, Sauron less, had a significant role in season one. Yeah, he, I know. Uh, uh, he had a story arc. He had Sauron has never not been a, a major character. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but fine. but yeah, no, I I mean, the only thing that makes me uneasy about postponing Gilgalad is that I really have no idea where we're postponing him to. And I feel like we could end up kicking the can with Gilgalad every year for the next five years. Um, five years. But maybe that's okay. Like, maybe, maybe who knows? But it doesn't feel compelling to do him now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to cast him if we don't know who he is. Right. Because then it's be like, okay, uh, we made him Oradreth's family, so maybe blonde, maybe not. His his right. mom's not blonde, so he doesn't have to be. But like, that's what we would be basing it on. And I I don't want to cast Gilgalad on. Well, here's the family tree. So somebody who looks kind of like this. Right. Right. Like I, I'd like to yeah. have some concept of who he is as a character. I mean, it seems to me. 
if we're casting Gilgalad, it's all about his future. I mean, we're casting the High King, the guy who's going to be High King of the Noldor for longer than anybody else will ever be High King of the Noldor, right? Like, that's... Correct. Surely the character... Like, it's the Gilgalad of the Last Alliance, ultimately, it's I think, that somebody who people would follow through the Black Gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's... that's and now, of course, that's a long way down the road. But that person... Is that the, actor is still the same person that's got to be there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. they're not going to look appreciably different. Like, it's not like where you can have somebody grow into the role as they get older. That's not how right. things are gonna... that, That's the factor we're going to be trying to mitigate against artificially. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's like they, yeah. It, it, you know, if they had uh, done the thing with Orlando Bloom the other way around, right? He looks more. He looks <laughs> older and bigger, right, in the Hobbit than he does in the Lord of the Rings. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I um... so the the character growth, as Ilana suggests, should be in the acting rather than in, you know, the appearance. Yep, for sure. Um, I think that. Also, keep in mind the the very significant choice that we've made of Gilgawad's genealogy, right? One of the implications of that is that when he's going to be named High King, it is not the obvious and intuitive choice from a genealogical standpoint. No, he's more the last man standing. Well, yeah, but he's not. I mean, there are other, there are yeah. other people oh, I know. standing. Especially you with know. the genealogy we chose. Exactly, exactly. But It was a lot easier if he were Spingen's son. <laughs> exactly, but that's exactly the thing that, that, I, that seems to me important for his character. Um, exactly. This, of course, came up when we were talking about Rings of Power stuff, and it was one of the first questions asked when we met the showrunners back in May. Um, Nubetta immediately father. asked, uh, is Gilgalad Fingen's son? Um, and um, and they were cagey. But anyway. Um, Shock. Yeah, shocker, right? I know. Um, but uh, but the, the, point, the point that I've been making ever since that's been under discussion, that question was under discussion in that context, was if you, if you make the choice that we have made, right? If you make him Oradreth's son... What it means is that there is something about him that led the elves of the Second Age to say he's the the guy. guy. Not Mm -hmm. because he's the logical guy. If he's the son of Fingon, he's the logical guy, right? He's like the presumptive heir at that point. Mm -hmm. And even treated as the presumptive heir... Uh, in that those edited bits of the Silmarillion where he's being squirreled away to the Isle of Balar, right? To like to protect right. the heir to the throne, right? Um, you know, again, th- then like he becomes king because obviously he's going to be king. But if he's the son of Oradreth, he's not going to become king because obviously he should be king genealogically speaking. He's therefore, I think, what's going to make sense is he's got to be a character which, when the Second Age rolls around, everyone is like. You know who I want to be High King? That guy. Right? Um, which means he's got to fill that role. He's got to live up to that. Um, and he, Which means he's got to start living up to that in the first age. He's got to do stuff in the first age that makes people say, yeah, he's the guy. Not that, not like 
Arendel's the guy, right? But right at the end of the first age, right? Arendel is the leader oh, yeah, of but, the refugees down there. But he absents himself very quickly from the situation, and therefore is no longer available for comment he, when it comes right, time get, to choose the high king. <laughs> true, but the point is, nobody is saying, "Oh, you know who should be the high king?" Obviously, is Arendel's son, right? Right. No, they're like, no, we want, we want Gilgalad, right? We want mm-hmm. that's that's the one. So again, there needs to be a reason for that. There needs to be like there needs to be something, something about him, um, and so yeah, I, I, I don't know. In that way, I feel like we have enough that we could cast him now, but uh, but maybe we wait. Maybe what we wait for. I guess what I'm really wanting in my own head is like. <laughs> a goal like when, when will the time be right and maybe that's the answer maybe like the bay of balar is the answer to when the time will be right mm. when we get so, like the post gondolin season what when we get a story for him yes because that's okay. the moment it seems to me we are going to have to really begin developing a story for him when nargathrond and gondolin and doriath fall like when during you know, the mm-hmm. rise of Arendel and the rise of Gogalad seem to me will be happening at about the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, anyhow, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a really interesting question. Right. So but... you don't want to kick the can the hoy to the second age for understandable I reasons. So. I don't think so. But we do want to kick it to the end of the first age. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is fair. Because yeah, he's not going to do much in the next few seasons, and it might feel weird to right. have an in-depth conversation about who his character is now. Right. And I do find there are some of these characters that we've already cast that I kind of wish we hadn't. Yeah. Because, you know, I thought I think we were perhaps too zealously completionist at the time. Um, and it might have been nice to save, like, Celebrimbor, for instance, until... yeah now or later than now even yeah um but until um, the second age when he's possibly even until the second age but well uh, to be fair we did cast a fairly young looking actor um which 10 years from now it won't be as young looking um (laughs) but if we decide we want a recast of somebody later we could probably make that argument yeah yeah. Well, I mean, he's I'm not, not he doesn't have to age, but right. I, I, I'm not saying we have to recast him. I'm just saying I don't want to ru- like thinking yeah, back wanna... over some of the ones we've done have made me not want to rush. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that we're waiting for the right moment. Um, OK. In which case we're left with really only a handful of characters. If we don't cast any of those three, we've got no major elf characters. Um, right. To cast, we've got the three red shirt Nargathron- Nargathrondrim, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got um, which Ilana are lovely characters, but red shirts they remain in the sense that they're they're signed up for imminent death um, in Tal and Garhoth here. Um, but um, they all do appear in more than one episode, though, which was the main criteria for can we cast this person? Right, exactly. <laughs> so- they are available. Yeah. Um, I don't... I don't think we need to cast Deadway, necessarily. Also appears in more than one episode. Does appear in more than one episode. Um, but 
I can understand not feeling the necessity to cast a dead elf spirit. I mean, it would be a little bit fun um, in the same way that it would be a little bit fun to cast Island Elf. But uh, actually, what, but see, if I were nominating, I would be perversely tempted to cast like a major, major actor that we would not want in another role as Deadway. Um, have it be a cameo appearance, you know, by uh, somebody funny. But um, uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I've, I certainly have no strong opinions on on Deadway. And as far as like what we would be looking for in a casting call for Deadway, we're never even going to see this person in like full color, are we? I mean, this person is going to be like ghostly every time we 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 you know we see him or her. So it's like uh, not really. I was about to accidentally make a really bad pun and say it's not very material what this person actually looks like, but um, but there we Good are. thing you caught yourself. Good thing I caught <laughs> myself and didn't make that terrible joke. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, so... Um, yeah. But let's think about our three Nargathrung Drim here. What would we be going for? Um... What would we want to show about the three, you know, well, there's more than three, but like there's three that we meet, um, the three elves of Nargothrond, um, uh, what I'm thinking of in particular when I say that is how, how, how diverse are the people who go with Finrod just like members of his house? Like, should they all be, like, blonde Finarfin folks, you know, in his extended family tree? Or... No, I don't think we need to make them closely related to him. It's a loyalty thing. Right. Um, randos. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the way Alana wrote it, that Ingolor would be a close friend of Finrod from childhood. Mm -hmm. So he was hanging out with them early on so yeah he could yeah. be related if we wanted Inglor to be um, but the, well, the other two is, guys Inglor is yeah. also like implicitly related to right. Finrod Gildor, Inglorian in has, of the house he has of his, his, his other name yeah I mean it, wasn't Finrod named Inglor at one point like in yeah, the early drafts as I recall exactly that's, before his name got changed the, at the time of the writing of Lord of the Rings Gildor Inglorian of the house of Finrod means Gildor Son of Finrod of the House of Fin uh, of Finarfin. Fi of, of Finarfin, yes, exactly. right. So it's like uh, <laughs> we yes. did, we're trying our best to make this work, right, <laughs> with the published right. text. <laughs> yes, yes, um, exactly. So, um, um, yes. Yeah, so, so we're just showing that these are the guys who are loyal to Finrod and are going to go with him, and therefore they're not necessarily relatives, but they're steadfast. Right, right. Um, how young should Edrahill and Enedrion look? Probably pretty young, right? I mean, they're grown, but yes. Yeah, yeah, not children. Yeah, yes, yeah, right. Clearly. But they're they're born in Beleriand. They grew up in Nargothrond. Their dad was killed in the Dagger Bragalock, but they too were at the Dagger Bragalock. Like they weren't right. too young to fight. Right. Right. So they are grown. 
Yeah. So, but so, but it does seem to me, even just um, from what I'm remembering of Ilana's script last week or last time, um, they come across as pretty young. Um, yes. And so, therefore, it does seem like it, I mean, to have them, you know, cute, freshly scrubbed looking 20 year olds or something, you know, or like some actor, you know, actors in their young 20s. Um, that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Would be good. Whereas there... Inglore should be, should look more mature. Yeah. The, the elves are old enough to have remembered when the house of Bayor lived in Nargothrond. Sure. So they're not actually less than a hundred years old. No, but no, but, uh, but again, it's they're coming in... across as quite yeah. young compared to their yeah. compatriots here. Yeah. And in, even in the kind of human equivalent charts that Tolkien was obviously it turns out so very fond of in his later years, they would be somewhere like 20, even if they were that age um, or right. in their early twenties. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, we, we, we would want Finrod. Who do we cast as Finrod again? One moment, please. <laughs> Nico Evers Swindell. I have no idea who that even is. Oh, right. That guy from Grimm, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Apparently. Right. I, I have no recollection of this. <laughs> right. I have little rec recollection of it either. But I think he's cool. Okay. All right. So, and he is, uh, wow, younger looking than he is. He's much closer to my age than I would have guessed by looking at him. Um, Which is but, great for an elf. <laughs> This is great for an elf. Perfect. That makes him perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Um, whoever we do for Inglor needs to be similar. Can be like an actor in his forties that still looks like young, young, youngish. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I, th I think we were trying to keep 40 as kind of our max for elves just to keep them looking young-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention attempting to mitigate the end. Their arc may continue for 20 more years. Uh, <laughs> but in Angler's case, yeah. that won't be an issue. <laughs> it's right. Not an issue for Angler. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so he could be, yeah, he could be 40. It's fine. No he worries. He could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah, that would be the one distinction I would want to make there. Okay. Um, yeah. Just we have a few elves we can cast, even a if few they're elves real we minor. Can cast. Exactly. And again, if if somebody has a fun, uh, if if somebody has a fun cameo suggestion for Deadway, I'm totally here for it. Uh, but I, other than that, I don't see a real reason to. I I I, I can't even see any strong characteristics. Um, yeah. uh, you know, he's dead. Right, he's, right, he has to be dead. He has to be a realistic That's, corpse. There, there you go. There's the there's the role that Dennis is looking for for uh, for Sean Connery for young Sean Connery. <laughs> Actually, casting dead people as the corpses is probably insensitive, but uh, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, I think yeah. we stick to our living actors rule just for... <laughs> exactly, even for dead people. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah. So like I said, if anyone has fun cameo suggestions, I'm I, I, I'm ready to listen. But um, other than that, I don't think. I mean, Nick, you talked about casting the sound engineer's daughter for Island L. We could cast the sound engineer for Deadway. Right. Like there's really. That better yeah. be a fantastically good-looking sound engineer. Well, but see, even they're ghostly, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's. I guess. it's uh, yeah. yeah, you fix it in makeup, right? It's fine. <laughs> fix it. In, well, I mean, you're, you're we're basically CGIing Deadway, right? I mean, there's there's. Well, little... yeah, but there's gonna be like, there's gonna be an actor there who gets filmed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think mean, so. How, Sorry. An actor with a mortal wound showing. So I mean, it doesn't have <laughs> right. to look that good. <laughs> right. But no, exactly. I, I agree. There's yeah. an elven character to this. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. Right. There are certainly some actors who would not be good candidates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then last few miscellaneous persons. We do have a couple dwarves. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Zirak, who is going to be a relevant person, because that's the beginning of the Nargothron. Or the, not the Nargothron. The, um, Naglamir. N- Naglamir. Thank you. That's the N word I was looking for. The Naglamir plot line. Um, so Zirak... Um, uh, uh, he's young in this season. He'll be much older the next time we see him. Do we, are we need to recast him? I don't know. I mean, he's a dwarf, so he can have lots of <coughs> stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it's the type of thing where you cast the younger guy and then just put makeup on to make him look older. Yeah. Like the Emperor Palpatine situation where... You can come back 30 years later and just take more of the prosthesis off <laughs> and he looks younger. <laughs> right. Right. Um, true. True. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so what do we want in Zirak? Um, Ambitious. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's got to be something grasping about him that comes through. Yes. He can't, we certainly can't have somebody with like an open and friendly face, right? Um, Xerox has to be someone who, from the beginning, I mean, a lot of this is acting, obviously, but again, there's, it, it should be. You can base it on performance if you've seen people deliver, right? Yeah, exactly. We we want somebody who is shrewd and um, shrewd and quick-witted. Um, yeah, he's almost like Fanor, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that he's a great artist, but has some flaws that are gonna be fatal in the end. Yeah. Not quite to the extent of Fanor being such a jerk. Uh, he's yes. not quite like that, but there, there's some parallels there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do we have a? Like a coloring that we're looking for? He is a dwarf of Nograd. Nograd. So I right. believe Nograd has our redheaded dwarves and right. Belagost has our dark haired dwarves. That's what I was thinking too. So ideally, we don't want someone too dark complected or else. I mean, right. you can always put wigs and prosthetics on, but it's going to look a little bit strange if it's. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, 
Wow, we get lots of dwarf name suggestions. So there's two dwarven characters who have been introduced to the level of the script outline, mm -hmm. and we would hope that we could use them in season seven as well, because it's been a while since we've had recurring dwarf characters, and it's time to get some going. Yes. Yes. Um, so since they're just two randomly tossed in dwarves, we can name them whatever you want. Um, so I did put the first suggestion was a pair of names that actually were meant to go together. The rest are just, if you happen to like anything else in the list, we can do that. We can pick the names later, but we don't have to pick them now. If, right. um, but I just wanted to throw them out there as a suggestion. If people have any yays or nays, we can take that into account when we get to that episode. Um, I would mostly just argue for the um, elimination of some of the names that are too close to other names. Like, sure. we already have to deal with, um, you know, like the Mablung and Maglor problem. We don't need to create more of that on our own, right? So, like, uh, Beglin, for instance, like, no, too close. Okay. Urfang, also too close. Especially um, for what we're going to use this in Season 7, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, but apart from that, I kind of like the fact that some of these are obviously similar to meme, uh, right? So they kind of they've kind of fit into that, um, you know, kind of linguistic palette. Yeah, yeah. Um, those. I like, I like Fongruin. Yeah. So all, all these suggestions are from Harangil, so he just throw them all out there. So. Cool. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of interesting suggestions. Um, I don't want to be too close to Meme or it's going to sound like one of his kin, which it is mm. not necessarily, but. Um, not necessarily not, though. I mean, right. the whole idea we of could... being exiled is. Could have kin in Belagos. There'd be kin back in the back in the homeland. Yeah. Hey, the only issue being that uh, meme is a name that comes from an older. I mean, I guess that doesn't matter, does it? But it comes from an older generation. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because we have we have meme the undying, right? Right. Right. Or yeah. rather, meme the not undying. Right. Meme that I keep naming my kids meme. <laughs> Right. Meme that I wish I was undying. Right, right. Right, right. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm loving the idea of more recurring dwarf characters. I think that that's... Um, it's a thing I do think that it's good for us to go out of our way to do, lest we be stuck with almost nothing but random faceless functionally faceless dwarf characters from here on out we we do have to kind of go out of our way to create dwarf characters <coughs> that are going to be sustained parts of the story um i'm totally blanking who is began with an n narn was it, who, who, who norn. was the guy norn right norn yeah i love norn i uh, i norn was an awesome character i thought that was like norn was a really really successful recurring dwarf character um exactly I loved both, like, the concept of Norn's character, um, how Norn 
like basically was like he was the poster child of the mercantile relationships between you know the dwarves uh and the elves of uh of doriath loved that um and um but also like the growth of his character you know between season uh two and was it the beginning of five it was the beginning he he was introduced in three and he right. survived through season four with the founding of Nargothrond. That was right. his final right. story. Right, yeah, that was, that was his, his farewell. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I loved that. So, I mean, the, you know, there was, there was, there was like, real growth and, and, like, an arc to Norn, which was really fun. It would be really cool to be able to get back to that. We really haven't had anything like that since. Yeah, in season night. five, we had a lot of cameo dwarf characters where they would just pop in for an episode, do their thing, right. and then leave. And that was to kind of emphasize the difference between elves are immortal and dwarves aren't, but right. It's and hard also to... in that case, it was really the dwarves in question were really ancillary to the major elf characters like, right. Um, Aeol, right. Or like, um, Caranthir, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. This will give us a chance to have people who are doing things who are not Azagal. Mm hmm. Exactly. Because we're going to need yeah. Dwarves of Belagos to do some things next season, and it can't be the king. <laughs> right. Doing everything. So, yeah, exactly. Right. So this, these are the characters who can do the things leading right. up to the right. uh, Near Knife. Azlakel yep. gets to do something in the Near Knife. He sure does. He sure does. <laughs> so we will have him, but yes. for other Yeah, stuff. and he was, he was the exception I had in mind when I said almost all faceless characters. He's the... He's the one of the clear exceptions that we have coming up, but but as you say, it can't just be that. So that's cool. Um, hard to think about casting demands for Gorgol the Butcher. Really, it's about it's about like instructions to the CGI and prosthetics department. Is there <coughs> anything else? I mean, um, well, um, for physicality stuff, how big is this guy? Like eight feet tall or you know three feet tall where where in that range are we aiming with seven an... feet tall I have we so... cast the mountain yet uh, i, I know we... it came up for bulldog but i don't remember if we cast have we cast yet. bulldog was the question i was just gonna we ask. have cast bulldog let me yeah one moment please um yes um uh, Bulldog is Conan Stevens. Mm-hmm. Who is not the mountain. He is not. He's the guy who plays orcs in The Hobbit, right? No, he, he, right? He is seven feet tall. And, yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, got a background in ballet and pro wrestling. Like you do. Um, so, yeah. 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 Um, um, I think he probably, and yeah, he, he was in Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. So I think he was the mountain. There were two different guys that played uh, Gregor Clegane. Okay. He was, I think he was the first dude. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, we've already cast one of the mountains. <laughs> if you would like to cast, cast one mountain. mountain. What is one of the guy's name? Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, he's he's a big dude. Sure, there are plenty of big guys out. If that's what we want for Gorgo the Butcher, we can. Again, so Baron doesn't have a lot of feats of bravery. So the part where he kills this guy, if it's yeah, a really big dude, enormous. that's going to look more impressive. He does kind he... of stab him in the back. 
so it's not he, a you know you gotta really do what you gotta fight, do right? when you're fighting an, so an, an eight foot orc yeah. but um, so I'm mostly it. thinking of like uh, uh, hierarchy or like uh, genealogy or orc wise like not even thinking mm-hmm. about his role specifically but like bulldog is the big deal right yes. bulldog was like the demigod that's of why he's this big yeah. guy he's supposed to stand out he's the he's, what was it you said the 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 ur orc or something the ur like orc that. exactly <laughs> exactly yes um not the uruk the, the, ur, the, the ur, ur, ur orc exactly yes. he is the he is he's the ur uruk i guess then isn't he um <laughs> he's he's he is he is like the orc after which all other orcs are modeled basically right and right. so therefore i don't think any other orc should match up to, to his stature, um, yeah. even though you gotta think, uh, there's plenty of evidence that suggests that both, um, uh, both Morgoth and Sauron tend to think in terms of. But now I'm gonna release the even bigger model, right? I mean, like there's there. One could imagine, I guess, them deciding that they wanted to improve even on the bulldog model. But but if we really want to make bulldog stand out my tendency would still be to say Bulldog stands alone is the apex of orcdom, basically, um, historically. And everything else, everybody else is going to be a kind of a, uh, a kind of a weak imitation. Um, so Gorgo, I would want to be lesser, but that doesn't mean he can't be still right. large. If we've got seven feet tall as the starting point. Right. Shorter than that is still possibly it's, it's, quite tall. It's, it's, it's a, exactly. So I'm thinking of Gorgal the Butcher as like the size of an NFL lineman rather than the size of Andre the Giant, basically, is what I'm, yeah. is what okay. I'm saying. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, but a big guy. Big guy. So so NFL lineman. So NFL lineman. Shaq. Yeah. No, not Shaquille O'Neal, but 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 yeah, like a like a. I'm thinking like NFL defensive end is the is the is the body type I have in mind. Not an offensive lineman, a defensive end. Yeah, um, yeah, there's a difference uh, there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so yeah, uh, um, but yeah, somebody who's like six four to six seven, three hundred pounds. You know, big guy. Uh, yeah. Less than ten percent body fat, like we're talking huge, stacked, impressive person. Would so be all physical. the we can't cast Baron as somebody who's a bodybuilder, but we can we cast Gorgle the Butcher. Gorgle the Butcher as a yeah. So don't worry, don't worry, bodybuilders guild. We still do have a role for you in this season. Um, yes, exactly. To get taken out by the guy who's not a bodybuilder. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And won't that be fun? Right. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- uh, uh, apart from that, it's hard to think of like a physical look or something that, cause it's going to be, well, yeah, he's going to look like an orc. He's going to but... look like an orc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I just wanted to get some concept of yep. what size you were picturing yeah. because no, that that's would great. Matter. That's great. Um, now, Last and certainly not least, Huan. <clears throat> what do we want Huan's voice to sound like? James Earl Jones. <laughs> we can only cast living actors. He's living. What are you talking about? 
<laughs> How old is he? Pretty old, but he's like he was. <laughs> He was his. He voiced Vader in the most his most recent appearance. Okay. It, he voiced Vader in uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. So he's still doing voice acting. That's encouraging. But do we um, want who on to sound like he's really really like old? Darth Vader? I mean, I'm look, not sure. Does we Mufasa wanna... really sound like Darth Vader? Yes. <laughs> I always thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it was fine. Like, I, okay. he's a good enough actor that I wasn't like actually th- like you know scared of him. But yes, like, could I tell it's James Earl Jones? Yes, I could. And is James Earl Jones' voice, when done in his voice acting, always Darth Vader in my head? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know, I know someone. But it's a good voice. Yeah, Alan Sisto. <laughs> he has an IMDb page. That's <laughs> true. It's true. Okay. <laughs> um but uh but no seriously for a talking dog what do you want a talking dog to sound like i don't know like i'm tempted to not cast him as a gorgeously voiced person jim cummings wait 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 not specific actors. i know i'm just he, he, well I'm, it's a joke actors. like he's the voice yeah. of winnie the pooh <laughs> uh right right yeah oh, yeah okay yeah, maybe not that yeah, maybe not. And that. also the voice of Ka the Python in Jungle Book, as I recall. Yes, but yes, uh-huh. yes. I just um, realized that I, I Nessa watched Jungle Book within the past few months, and I was like, "Wait, I know that voice." Yes, ah! but I, yeah, it creeped me out the first time I realized that, which I didn't when I was a kid. But yes, no, yes. of course not. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think so. What should the voice sound like? I would be okay. Not only with a voice not sounding melodious, um, I, I don't know. I, I almost would want to lean into the fact that this is not this is not like some. It, it's not like the voice of a god speaking through the dog or something like that, right? This is like a dog who's never spoken, who is given some like, you know, there's like there's magic involved, like there is. Supernatural thing happening here, and yet, I think I don't know. I think it should sound like a dog. Like I think it should not sound like a normal human voice. Um, I mean, there's been lots of films where there's a dog who talks, and they always choose a normal sounding human voice for the dog. So if we didn't do that, it would be unusual. Doesn't mean we can't, but yeah. I mean, no. But if we were to do one of the normal. Like, if we were to do something like James Earl Jones or Liam Neeson or something like that. No, no, I'm a, I mean more like Wishbone. Right. Yeah, Like, sure. there's there's a dog on screen and there's a well, random But that's an extreme example. Because Wishbone is like a narrator, right? So yeah. um, it would be kind of hard to have Wishbone's voice be doggy all the way through the show. They're Actually, really I'm looking at Jim Cummings' uh, uh, <laughs> filmography and it's looking really, really good. He's also the voice of Tigger, by the way. Is he still alive? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, um, I'm just trying to, now, now I'm trying to think of examples of talking dogs on screen and whether or not I thought they were any good. <laughs> He's, Jim Cummings has played the, played the villain in Balto. Okay, 
So he actually has been a talking dog. Yes, before. he has. Somebody <laughs> actually with talking dog, dog on his resume. On resume yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I know we're not that. supposed to be giving. It's um, interesting. I'm, it's I'm interesting. Just, but I'm just like. Yeah. No, let's say like there's the incredible journey has talking pets in it, and there's. I don't know. I haven't actually watched Airbud, but, but I those are like voiceover it... though. That's different. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, you because mean... there, there's a kind of an illusion that we're hearing what they're thinking. Or oh, like... okay. So, I can. You mentioned Supernatural. It's your fault, not mine, that it came up this time. True. <laughs> but um, I guess I did open myself up to that, didn't I? There is an episode of Supernatural <laughs> where right. Dean does something and he can suddenly talk to animals, including dogs. So the dogs talk back to him because, of course, they do. Um, right. And it, so there is a main character dog in that episode that is voiced by a human. And it's he's talking with the other characters on screen. Well, at least with Dean. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but yeah. it does exist. <laughs> you can find clips of it on YouTube. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm really torn. I'm really torn as to what Huan's voice should sound like. <clears throat> on the one hand, obviously it can't be like a really disappointing voice, right? I mean, like we we can't, um, you know, have him open his mouth and sound like, um, oh, what's his name, the comedian who played the parrot in the original Aladdin. Um, oh, Iago is the parrot. I don't know the name of the comedian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the, um, I, I'm I'm blanking on the name of that comedian who has the really idiosyncratic, uh, um, sort of like Del Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I, like, we don't want somebody with a voice like that, right? Like, you know, somebody with this sort of, uh, uh, like, aggressively atonal, unpleasant-to-listen-to voice. Like, it's part of his comedic shtick, uh, Gottfried's mm -hmm. is. Um, oh, and he's dead anyway, so there we go. Um, yeah. But anyway, the point is, we don't want... <laughs> I have no idea how many these people are alive or dead. This is terrible. <laughs> we wouldn't want to... Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm losing track of a lot of this, too. Um we wouldn't want Huan to open his mouth for the first time and have his voice be like, you know, weird, nasally, whiny, you know, like it, it can't be a disappointing voice. But so again, I'm be not a growly convinced. voice because he's a dog. So he has I, maybe to have the deep growly voice. <laughs> I'm not convinced that it needs to look like. Is, is that from Balto? Are, are you continuing your lobbying there, Nick, with your I'm back? I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. I, I'm I'm breaking all the rules. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I um I don't think. But like the more I think about it, the more I dislike the idea of him opening up his mouth and sounding like James Earl Jones or Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. You know, like um or even like um I mean Lloyd Owen would be another suggestion of somebody with a gorgeous voice, right? That would be lovely, but uh, <clears throat> but I'm not sure that's what Huan should sound like. But I'm not sure what it should sound like. It should. What I wouldn't want it to sound like is somebody else talking through Huan. Like I want it okay. to be clearly his voice. His yeah. voice. This is the dog's perspective. Um, um, he does have um, in Alana's script where he speaks for the first time. He has slightly archaic speech patterns because right. he's a Valinor and all that. So he's going to sound a little bit old-fashioned and remote. But is there any personality trait he should have? 
Like, is he down to earth? Is he what? Like, what is he? Other than a very loyal dog. I would be cool thinking, especially of the role that he's playing with Baron and Luthien specifically. He is the, um, he's the wise mentor figure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's like the, um, he's like the wise hermit. He's like the Obi Wan figure, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's um, so Ewan McGregor. <laughs> no, or no, Alec I was. Al Guinness yeah. is what I was thinking of. More yeah, than anything. Okay. yeah, yeah. Um, the Al Guinness uh, 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 age is 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 what I was thinking. Um, so we do want an older voice. I think an older voice. I think okay. I do want an older voice. All right. So James is back on the table. Then. He's back on the table. Right. Still a little Vaderish for me, but um, uh, but but yeah, it's I I yes, I definitely okay. think a um, an older voice. Okay, so mature, conveying mature, wisdom, wise. but the voice of a dog. Yes. So um, a a growly voice or a human voice that just dogs have a human voice suddenly for some reason. I magically. would want a voice like with character, right? Like, okay. Uh, it's something. Um, a voice that doesn't sound not just I was, I was gonna say a voice that doesn't just sound like a, a normal human like it's coming from a normal human chest not in the sense of like james earl jones voice is so resonant and beautiful that it doesn't sound like it comes from a normal human voice not not in that sense but in the sense of like yeah something um the more you talk about this the more i feel like we need a professional, well-established, and versatile voice actor. Is what we're, which that's, that's sounds like I'm still lobbying, <laughs> but I'm not. This is like, You're not. As, I thought you were. No. Okay. No. 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 Okay. No. That, like that. Well, I, I, I think, think a lot of voice actors of whether, have you know a long resume because voice <laughs> acting is usually a much shorter thing. So if you've done right. it, you've probably done a lot of it, <laughs> and not in all cases, but in many. So yeah, yeah I think if you find somebody whose work you like you can probably find 15 different voices they've done that are all within a certain range and just pick the growliest one and the the yeah. most doesn't Growly, sound human one yeah but i'm not just thinking like find me like a 70 year old chain smoker kind of voice okay when i talk about that's, what I was like, <laughs> the, that's possibly on the table i wouldn't say no necessarily okay. Okay. right like that could work but um but i yeah it it should have it should be unearthly but again what i don't like about the idea of like i i liam neeson did aslan's voice in the chronicles yes. of narnia films right mm-hmm. and like yes. that worked for me. like that was that was a that was a good show. but that's exactly the effect i don't want for Huan. and i'm not saying i dislike liam neeson again he's a, he's you know awesome voice but that effect but you don't like, want Huan to be aslan no, I don't. That's the, I don't. That's I, the I don't point. want like the dog speaks and it speaks in like the voice of God, right? Like that's not yeah. the effect that I think it should have. Um, he, he speaks in the vo- in the in the and honestly, I think that's why they went with Liam Neeson there because like yes, you know, yeah, um, they were actually the, going for the he, he speaks he, with the voice well, of Liam, God. Liam yeah. Neeson has, but it's not just that kind of like 
what's the word mellifluous is that the, mellifluous my is yeah. the word yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's not just that he has this like real danger to his voice that he can bring out that morgan freeman for example doesn't have mm-hmm. you know like and, and morgan freeman has played characters that have an edge to them i'm not saying that but but he's also been the voice of god <laughs> right he's also been the but, voice of god yeah but yeah. Liam Neeson has this like really razor edge. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear like the not a tame lion thing comes out in Liam Neeson's performance, not just in the story. And they add some growls too. Well, yeah. yes, but it's <laughs> a lot of it's him. Like you I, know. Know I, mean? <clears throat> I know. I know. I'm just yeah. teasing. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um Yeah. I so I don't know. I mean, I'm I I don't I don't know if we've made this nomination process easier or worse, but at the very least the main the first thing I want to push is not just the kind of like this guy has an awesome voice and so let's use because that that's not again like I love Lloyd Owen's voice. I don't think I would want Lloyd Owen in that in this role to play Huan because again that's not that's not the kind of effect I would want Huan's voice to have. Okay. Um uh yeah. Um hmm. there's um there's another actor that I have in mind whose name I'm forgetting, but it's probably just as well, because we're not I'm not suggesting because <coughs> um, uh, we're not lobbying for particular uh roles. I, who Nick? would do such a thing? I know. Um uh but yeah, I so yeah, I think um I think it should be an idiosyncratic voice. I mean it should be strange. Um and so kind of like what um what John Reese Davies did with um Fangorn. Why can't I remember his tree beard? Tree beard. Tree wow. Beard, yeah. Yeah. Well, Fangorn works too. Yes, I, <laughs> I know. Stick with that. Yes, but I, it's just wild that I couldn't that I could retrieve that before Treebeard. No, um, you're getting older, Nick. This happens. This, this gets worse. Believe me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't allow that. My brain is full of holes as it is. I know it. Believe it's me. just late and you're sleep deprived. Don't worry about it. There's that too. That doesn't also doesn't help. Um, anyway, but yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Um, Though I think, I think the variations, Treebeard is more over the top as far as variations mm. from normal voice cadences than I gotcha. would want. For well, him. yeah, because he does the speaking on the inhale thing, which is yeah, and the which is yeah. weird. Um, yeah. But also that I mean, even there's no necessary equivalent to like the whom homing that Treebeard does. You know, right. um, it's clear <laughs> that he's. Uh, um yeah yeah um but anyway yeah well um uh okay you just want a voice that naturally sounds like you could have a a barking dog and then suddenly it's talking and then go back to the barking dog again and it's the same and voice And you would know somehow. that it was the dog and you would recognize his voice yes exactly Exactly yes, somehow that if you heard if you heard who on you know, barking or baying, um, mm-hmm. and then you heard his voice, you'd recognize him. 
Yeah. Okay. So we should just start with recordings of Irish wolfhounds barking and go from there. Find a voice that just That's fits it. with that. Create an yeah. AI voice no. simulation. <laughs> no, no, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> no. Some of those are quite good. I don't know what uh, you're talking about. No, no, about. no. <laughs> you need to have an IMDb page to get cast in the show. Oh, stop yeah. it. Yeah. I, we're not, it's not casting then. It's just audio but we, effects. But we are casting. We are casting. <laughs> we are. Um, I assume you do want to cast the voice of Huan, yes? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, no, I, after, I, I think we definitely do. I thought we might, uh, we might want to do that. <laughs> yes, that seems like a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Good. All right. Well, it's getting late. So um, that concludes that Huan is our last and very much not least uh, uh, character to discuss our next session. We're going to be going on to episode seven. Episode seven is uh, the, uh, the, the, the song battle at uh, uh, Tall and Garahoth part two um, when Luthien comes. Uh, so uh, we're going to be saying our fond farewell to Thurin Gwethel in the next episode. We're going to be taking down Sauron. Sauron will be defeated for the first, but not the last time uh, in some film history. Um, and um, we're going to uh, kill off a bunch of red shirts and then also say goodbye to Finrod. Saying goodbye to Finrod too. So there's a, there's a lot of significant goodbyes uh, going on. Going on. Also drug Lewin, but at this point, like, eh. right. Right, yeah, Drogluin. It's hard to even even Thorin Gwethel is a is a is a, a more tearful farewell than Drogluin. Um But yeah, uh, this is a this is a major. Uh, this is a very impactful episode that we're going to be talking about next year. Uh, episode which, seven. Do we have a? I can't remember. Do we have a voice actor for Drogluin? Yes. Okay. Um, I can figure glad, out who that glad is. Glad somebody remembers these things. Oh, I don't know. Just all written down. So, you know, you know, uh, it's funny. So I have IMDb Toby open over Kebble. here. Toby Kebble <laughs> is our voice of Drug Lewin. Um, I think he did some work in Planet of the Apes. Yep. Mm. Yep. But I don't. Yep. Um. Yeah, there there have been a couple times during the show when I've almost typed in the film film character to IMDb to search for who we cast. I'm like, it's actually not listed on IMDb. You know, it's so should weird. Be. Like, I don't know work, why they're no. not using those as credits. Like, I mean, it would be, it's been announced on Twitter. Right? I know it's been announced on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's would clearly That's, be an envious item on anything on, on any actor's resume. I don't know why they're not bragging about it, but um, yeah, there we go. We're in pre free production. <laughs> exactly. The, the part where you don't have the rights to do a production. Nor to fund <laughs> exactly, it. yes. I uh, mean, it's... that's just kind of a thing that's done around Signum. So, you know. Exactly. It's a. Uh, it's, uh, Permission? A, it's, it's a non. It's, 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 a non production. It's, it's in non production, really. Yeah, exactly. But anyhow, <laughs> okay, so um, 
we'll be discussing episode seven next time, which will be on January 19th, two weeks from today um, at our normal time. So looking forward to episode seven, huge episode, really excited about this. The last one, the song battle with Finrod, of course, is one of the iconic uh, moments of this entire story. And Oana did such a wonderful job with that episode. Um, But in some ways, episode seven is even more impactful uh, in the overall trajectory of the story. Um, it changes things for a lot of people. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. And so, you know, again, that goodbye to the tower at Tilsirian. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to love that moment. You know, the Finrod Sauron battle. It's a, it's a huge sort of fan focal point, understandably and appropriately. And yet, in the story of Baron and Luthien, it's the setup. Right for, for song um, battle part two, <laughs> song battle part two, uh, yeah. which comes right after. So uh, really, uh, really excited about that uh, for next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. As always, thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, thanks to you guys for uh, all of your work on this. And we will continue moving through season six next time. So I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.